Good morning. Oh, that sounds good, doesn't it? It feels a little weird not having a TV behind me. So if I just, if I just start moving around back here, don't, don't worry about it. I like having all the space. Like, this is kind of nice. Uh, this is cool. If you would, I know we've already greeted one another. Um, but again, my name is Kyle Thompson. I'm the college and engaged minister here at Shiloh Road. And I want to just encourage you to just take a minute and with the people around you, if you would, please turn to the people around you and simply say, and please mean it, that you are glad that they are here. Go ahead. We're also really glad that you're joining us online. We're so glad that you are here with us this morning. Now, if, if that's the first time that somebody has told you that this morning, uh, not from stage, then I'm just glad that they've told you. And I want you to realize that I truly believe that when our members, our body here at Shiloh says that, they mean it. When they say that they are glad to see you here, they mean it. When I went to college over at Louisiana Tech University, uh, I was a young 18-year-old kid who was starting out, and I had band camp for like a month, and then once school started, uh, that first week of school, I didn't realize just how much freedom I had during the day as a college student. I had a few classes, obviously, but then I had quite a bit of downtime, and so I had a couple of hours for lunch, and I thought, you know what? I have time. I don't have a debit card, but I can go. I have time to go to Walmart, write my check to cash it, to get some cash out so that I can go eat lunch. And I thought this was a great plan, went over to Walmart, got my, my check out. Some of you have no idea what a check is. It's okay, ask your parents, maybe your grandparents, I don't know. But I got my cash and I go and I say, you know what? I'm gonna really fight to, to really not gain that freshman 15 they always talk about. I'm gonna go to Subway where I can eat fresh. And so I go over to Subway with my cash in hand and I walk through the line and they say, what kind of bread do you want? And I said, wheat, great good start. I get over and I ask for meat and then I get to the veggies and I'm like, Ugh. I guess some spinach. I don't like it. Covered in chipotle sauce will be good, right? I get that. I get my chips. I get my drink and then I go and I sit down in the booth and I sit down and I realize, you know what? Something is missing. I'm like, huh? No, I decided not to get the cookie. I got my sandwich, got my chips, got my drink. I look up and the only thing I see is that guy that they don't even use anymore because he's bad. And I realized maybe for the first time in my life, I was sitting in a restaurant eating a meal all by myself. And that's how I felt. Thank you. Thanks for pinching them. <laughs> I felt alone. And I got to tell you, whenever I was in high school, I, I would not have thought that I could be standing up here doing something like this. I was as shy as could be. I wasn't a public speaker at all. This terrified me. And so I still liked having friends. I still liked knowing people and being with people. From that day on, I can tell you, I did not go and eat alone in the subway anymore. Thankfully, our church had a place where I could go. And I actually ended up meeting friends there. 
move on a few years, and in 2020, I'm working as a youth minister up in Winsboro, Texas. And something some of us have heard of, COVID comes along. And we spend our very first Sunday meeting remotely in our homes. And you know what? It wasn't super bad. I put together this little video of, of a, ser- a sermon, and we put together a worship service. I put some songs on there, and I sat down to watch it that morning. And it was actually pretty cool because I was sitting there on my couch, eating my cinnamon roll, drinking my coffee, and I was like, I, I could get used to this kind of church, right? This is good. We start singing, and, and it's great. I start singing out. I'm like, I'm going to praise God this morning. This is wonderful. This is great. My dog leaves the room. I'm like, ah, don't worry about him. But everything's good until we get to the meal. And I'm sitting there with this little, what we, what we used to use, <laughs> the little wafer of, like, got to be styrofoam, right? And I sit there, and essentially for the first time in my life, I take communion alone. Now, of course, there were others just like me across town, across the world, taking communion too, and that, that certainly encouraged me. But it wasn't the same. I have a question for you this morning. Have you ever experienced loneliness? Now, I'm not just talking about going to Subway by yourself, because that's, that's certainly not the, the most fun. And I'm not even just talking about this, the kind of forced loneliness that we experience when the entire world shuts down. Lord willing, that won't ever happen again. But have you ever experienced true loneliness? The kind of loneliness where maybe you're in a room full of people and you feel like nobody sees you. The kind of loneliness where everybody looks at your life and they think, oh man, they have it all together. They've got the wife, they've got the kids, 2.5 kids, right? But yet you feel alone. Studies have shown that chances are, yes, to some degree you've you have felt some sense of loneliness. A PBS study showed that roughly 60% of U.S. citizens admit to feeling lonely on a regular basis. 60%. That's just the ones that admit like it's a regular thing for them. The question for us is, why is it that so many experience loneliness? I have a few ideas on this. The first one, I think, is maybe we have too much. Maybe we in our, our culture, in our society, maybe we have too much. The author John Steinbeck once wrote a letter to a politician, which was later published in the Washington Post in January of 1960. In it, Steinbeck said this, A strange species we are. We can stand anything God and nature can throw at us, save only plenty. If I wanted to destroy a nation, I would give it too much, and I would have it on its knees, miserable, greedy, and sick. Is it possible that our abundance has created a greater distance between us? Maybe you're like me. Maybe you're the kind of person that you go to Subway for the first time and eat alone, and you say, you know what? I'm not doing that again. I'm just going to distract myself. I'm going to go find something else to keep me occupied so that I don't have to 
worry about that. And so you go and you eat lunch by yourself, but you watch TV while you're doing it. You go fill your time and your energy with other things so that you don't have to address that. And luckily, for most of us, we live in a country where we're blessed to be able to distract us with anything and everything that we want. Maybe we experience loneliness because it seems like to us that other people are just too busy. Have you ever noticed that in recent years, it seems as though whenever you ask somebody, hey, how are you doing? Their response isn't something like, well, I'm doing well. I'm, I'm doing all right, or maybe things aren't going so well. The, the response is, hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm busy. When did busy become the new term for good, <laughs> right? Our culture has a busyness problem. Or at the very least, we like to look like we're busy because that is some sort of symbol that means that we're doing all right. So for some of us, we look at other people, we look at their lives, and we say, no, I'm not going to try to reach out and be friends with them because they're just too busy. And still maybe, maybe you're someone who views that loneliness is just simply your lot in life. You believe that this is simply your cross to bear. In some cases, I would say our culture kind of takes doing things by yourself and puts it on a pedestal. I mean, if you've ever watched The Lone Ranger, right? Nobody's raising your hand. Anybody seen The Lone Ranger? There we go. They're like, do I really have to raise my hand right now? It's because most of them are not very young. They don't want to. It's okay. The Lone Ranger himself We like to put that sort of person, the person who can go it alone, the person who can rough it, the person who could get by, doesn't need anybody help, doesn't need anyone going there with them. That's the type of person that we put up on a pedestal. We think, man, I can handle myself. See, loneliness in a subway is one thing. But to get to a place where you feel loneliness on a daily basis, that is a much deeper thing to deal with. This morning, I want us to look at Ephesians chapter 2 to see what God says about this. If you would be turning over there, Ephesians chapter 2. In Ephesians, we have Paul, who used to be Saul, writing to the Gentiles, or in other words, the non Jewish people there in Ephesians. Specifically, these are Gentiles who are now Christians. And so these are people who, since they've come to Christ, they realize that God's people, the Jews, are a people that are not like them, that they were not a part of that group of people. And now they've been brought close to God. They are being brought into the presence of God. Now I'm going to read quite a bit of scripture here, but I really want you to hear the sort of words that Paul uses to describe the Ephesians. Let's read in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. As for you, you were dead. As for you, you were dead. Let's make a note of that. If I'm writing a letter to people, it's probably not the way I'm going to start it off. He wants to stop them dead in their tracks and help them to realize where they've come from. Let's see what he keeps saying. 
As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Paul's pointing out where they've come from. Have you ever had somebody bring up your past, especially in front of other people, like your negative past, like maybe that one family member at the holidays? I went and played in a disc golf tournament recently with a buddy of mine, and he actually brought up how uh, his father-in-law, one year they were playing volleyball at a family gathering, and his father-in-law hit his father-in-law's mother-in-law in in the face with a, a volleyball. And so it was interesting, he said that every year whenever they get together and they go and they spend time with family, if somebody brings up something negative about somebody, their response is, well, at least I didn't hit Nana in the face with a volleyball. It's pretty good. (laughs) Kids, you can use that one, just deflect, like, all right, well, at least it's not that bad, right? We don't love it when people bring up the negative, The past is in the past. We want to keep moving forward. But there's a reason that Paul does this. Paul is pointing out how horrible, how disobedient, how far away from God that they are. Because he wants to show how far they've come. And what does this have to do with loneliness? Well, let's keep reading. Ephesians 2, verse 11. Therefore... Remember that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God. Let's pause for a moment on that verse. Without hope and without God. It does not get much lonelier than that. That is where they were. Not only separated from each other, they were separated from God and the hope that we have through Christ. Verse 13, But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier dividing wall of hostility 
by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Paul does not air the dirty laundry just to make people feel bad. The reason he brings it up is to show them how far that they have come through Christ. I've been at Shiloh just about a year and a half. And I can tell you it's incredible to me just to see where we are versus where we were whenever I got here. And for those of you who have been here longer, you could share story after story of how Shiloh started here, and now we are here only by the grace of God. We have a 2030 vision. And I can tell you that was the big reason why I wanted to come to Shiloh. Our vision is to exalt Christ, to encourage one another, and to engage our neighbors. Do we realize how incredible it is that we, this group of people and those who come on a regular basis, do we realize how incredible it is that we are one body together? Because by every worldly metric, there's not much of a, a unifying factor here. You look at our church body. There's people of all, all sorts of walks of life. The unifying factor for us is simply this, that we were dead and now we are alive. We once were dead, separated from God, separated from his hope, and now we have been made alive through the sacrifice of Jesus. John, thank you for reading that this morning. Through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we have been made alive. And the best thing about that life that God knew that we were never meant to live that life alone. That's why he gave us his church. That we can be made alive and united together through him. I can assure you this, that the call to be one household, to be a holy temple, a dwelling for God through one spirit is not a call to loneliness. It is a call to friendship, to fellowship, and to family. It is in light of this truth, of being alive when we were once dead, that we exist as a church. The second part of our vision is to encourage one another. One of the key ways that we like to do that is through small groups. It's no coincidence that I'm preaching this sermon on the last week of this month that we are getting signups for our small groups. And I can tell you, we have plenty of group leaders ready to go, ready for you to join them. 
In the setting of a small group, we're able to get to know one another on a level that we just simply can't in a gathering this size. It's our way of emphasizing friendship and family and fellowship into our church. It's one of the ways we hope to fulfill what Paul talks about in Ephesians 2 by truly being the household of God with one another. This is a statement that I put in my sermon notes, and I hope you hear it the way that I intend it. There should be no loneliness in the body of Christ. What I'm not saying is that you will never feel lonely in the body of Christ. What I'm not saying is that you won't have moments where you feel far from God and far from his people. It's natural. We go through this life and this world is going to hit us hard. But what there should never be is any of us in that 60% saying, oh yeah, regularly I feel lonely. The question is, how about you? Where are you at? Are you the type of person that, that is hearing this and you're saying, you know, I can't relate. I'm never lonely. Well, maybe you're that type of person who needs to be a friend to someone else, to be a part of or lead a small group so that you can share in your fellowship and your friendship with so many people that need it. Or maybe you're lonely, but you haven't even tried a small group. And for you, I'm wondering, what's stopping you? What's stopping you from taking that next step to say, I want to go deeper into the family of God, to share my life with other people so that they can know me and I can know them? Maybe you're lonely and you have tried small groups, but it just didn't seem to work out. And I will tell you, that is very possible. Don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying, hey, join a small group and all your problems will be solved. Maybe you've had a bad experience and for those of you who that's you, I just simply want to tell you, please give God and his people another chance. Give them another chance to be the friend that you need, to be the family that you need. As we consider this morning all the ways that we can be the household of God, each of us doing our part, I'm reminded of something that Jesus tells to his disciples in John chapter 13. He says, by this Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. How can you love the body of Christ here at Shiloh better this week? 60% of U.S. citizens regularly face loneliness. What if Shiloh was an exception to that statistic? What if this body of believers became the exception to that? And when people come through our doors, as many have in recent months, and they see the wonderful joy that we have here and the hope that we share through Christ, what if they also knew, I'm getting to be a part of a family where I'm known and where I'm needed and where I'm loved and where I'm never truly lonely? I'd like to close with one quick verse before I pray this morning. And it actually comes from our church website. Some of you had no idea we have a church website, shallowroad.com. <laughs> you can go fact check me here. Dustin, please do not go change the website uh, after the sermon. That is something that Dustin would certainly do to me. <laughs> but as I read this verse, 
This is the verse that we put under encourage one another as we show our vision to those who are looking at Shiloh and looking to see what we're all about. And I want you to consider as we read this, who is that person that you need to reach out to? Who's that person in our body that maybe you haven't seen in a while or maybe you just haven't talked to in a while? I'll be the first to tell you, I am not perfect at this. I struggle with names. If Kenzie's not there, I have no chance. I'm sorry. Unless you talk to me like every single week, (laughs) I'm going to struggle with it. But who's that one person that you need to reach out to? What's stopping you from joining a small group? Like I said, today's our last week, and if you're just kind of on the edge, on the verge, saying, I don't know, I'm kind of busy this summer, I encourage you, reach out, join a group, and see what God can do through it. And finally, are you willing to take another chance if you've been burned before? Are you willing to take another chance to allow God to work through his people here? Think of these things as I read from Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. This is shortly after the day of Pentecost. And they have just believed and put their faith in Christ by being baptized and accepting that wonderful gift of life that Jesus offered. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to one another, to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Let's pray. Holy Father, we come to you this morning. And Father, we pray that we can be a church that encourages one another. Father, that we can be a place where people can find community, especially for those who face loneliness regularly, Lord. Help us, Father, to be your household where all are welcomed. Father, thank you so much for giving us new life in Jesus, where we are no longer without hope or without you, our God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.